I started out this morning talking about uh, God's basic, it's a basic foundation that God w- wants to not only lay in each of us, but to reinforce. It's like, before you were born, God had a plan for the kind of person that you were to become, and he had a plan for certain good works or certain purposes that you are uniquely designed to fulfill. That's not optional. That's not negotiable. Um, This is God had a plan even before we were born. Now, right now, many people, they hear that and go, well, my ship has passed. Obviously, I'm too old, too broken, too whatever. I sounded like a California, didn't I? Whatever. To be able to catch up and get realigned with God's plan. Um, I want to encourage you to put that to rest. Because from when you were born to when it's time for you to go to Jesus, there's always opportunities for you to get reset do-overs. Always, 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 always. There are challenges, there are tests that God gives us throughout that are designed not to defeat us, but they're designed maybe to show what's really in us or to, to strengthen us. These challenges do not negate the promises of God. All these challenges are opportunities that God allows or provides, depending on your theology. These are opportunities for us to grow in God and experience more of God's promise. Now, people of Israel, they were delivered from captivity. They were delivered from slavery. God raised up a leader. God did some really cool things and supernaturally delivered them out of the clutches of Pharaoh. That was a pretty good day at the office. That's really nice. That's awesome. Um, The same thing, if you're a Christian, and I don't assume that the whole room here, everybody's born again. I, I don't assume that. But for those of you who are, guess what? Before... Before you got saved, before you got born again, before you bent the knee of your heart to the real Jesus, no matter how happy you were or sad you were, no matter how healthy you were or, or, or broken you were, you were held captive by Satan and the world system. I mean, and, and it's not like, well, you know, I had a really good life, and I sort of love God, and then I got saved, like you added to your resume. You had no resume before Jesus says, all right, I'll throw you a bone, I'll make you want me, and then I'll give you the courage and the guts and the faith to receive me. And when that happened, even if we have the last some vestiges of the old self, we are now free from that stuff. And we'll go to heaven. That's pretty good. Israel was not delivered from Egypt just so they could be out of Egypt. 
God had something better. He had a land of promise, a land of milk and honey, something that they had never experienced, something they wouldn't, as slaves they would have never even thought of asking for or imagining. These were promises, destinies that God had preordained even before he rescued them. So he delivered them, and they're led by Moses through, you know, through the uh, wilderness. And God blessed the heck out of them. He protected them. Every so often he spanked them, but he disciplined them. But he blessed them. He loved them. He covered them. He protected them. Testimony after testimony after testimony after testimony. But that, that the pursuit of blessings was not what God really was after in their hearts. It was that they would receive the blessings, but they would pursue the promises in the promised land. That was God's heart for them. You know what some of them did? They went, eh, promises too hard. Eh, maybe I should go back or... Eh, I'll just settle for blessings. Now, here's the thing. God won't love you any less if you just settle for the blessings. Some of you are going, listen, I'll get to the promises later. I'd settle for a couple blessings right now. Life's tough. I get it. I get it. But there's something about, I was born for a purpose. I was born to fulfill my design. I was born to fulfill God's plan for my life. I was born for that. That's, that's how Paul thought. In, in Philippians, Paul said, forgetting what is behind, here's this one thing I do. Forgetting what is behind, I press on to lay a hold of that for which Christ Jesus laid a hold of me. And then a couple of verses down, you know what he says? He goes, those of us who are mature should take such a view of things. Isn't that weird? Isn't that so un-Minnesotan? No, really. Like, I just want to be humble, just be a blessing of God. Be a, you know, and there's nothing wrong with that. But some people think it's like the height of pride to go, listen, I'm so thankful for all the things that God does. I know there's more. But to go, I want the whole thing. I want to experience the fullness of why God created me. I want that. That's not prideful. According to God, that's maturity. That's maturity. To have that kind of wanna. And Paul had a pretty good resume. I mean, I, if I had his resume, I said, I think I'll, I'll sit out the rest of it. I'll just wait till I go to heaven and I will have a big large screen TV. I will have a huge jacuzzi. I will have free ESPN Classic. Those people, no, sorry. In heaven, some of you will have to pay for your ESPN Classic. But anyway. So there's this journey that God wants to lead us into the promises. This morning we just talked about Caleb. That what, what was it about Caleb that was so special? It was simply he believed that the promises of God were worth the battles. He believed that the promises of God was worth the inconvenience. He believed that the prom- experiencing the promises of God was worth 
all the changes he'd have to go through. He, he believed it was worth it. Not only that did he believe it was worth it, all the challenges that, he, that were right before him, the big giants in the land, all the excuses that we use as to why we can't go forward. I'd love to go forward, but I'm a jerk. I'd love to go forward, but I have this past. I would really love to go forward, but... Or I'd really love to go forward, but, you know, I'm just a screw-up. I'm just trying to figure out what it is to be a man. All these things are real. These are challenges. But Caleb goes, look at these challenges. These are opportunities for me to depend on God so I, I change and I can see God do some cool things. The rest of the people going, oh, I love the promises. It's hallelujah. I'll encourage other people, but good enough is good enough. This isn't an elitism thing. This is a maturity thing. So God said, Caleb, he had an excellent spirit, and so did, so did Joshua. I will, I will lead him into his promises. So here they are. <clears throat> Moses is, <clears throat> has died. Joshua has taken over. And they're about to cross over. I believe every person and every church has these seasons of crossing over where you go from one season into another. Uh, this church has gone through a few crossing overs, all right? I've gone through a couple crossing overs. These people, they were ready to cross over. And then God met Joshua. And this is what I'd like us to read. I'm going to read from this and pull out some things that will be really helpful for us. Wherever you are right now in your journey with Jesus, wherever you are, all you got to do is say, God, I want the heart of Caleb. You'll start growing that. And then what I'm going to share will equip you to start crossing over. Y'all looking at me like this is a formula. No, it's not a formula. This is God's way. So Joshua has this unique devotional time at the bank of the River Jordan. After the death of Moses, the servant of the Lord, the Lord said to Joshua, son of Nun, Moses' aid, Moses, my servant, is dead. Now then, this is going to be very important. Now then, you and all these people prepare, or in some translations is get ready, or in other translations is arise with the, arise and be poised for action. I just prefer prepare. Now then, you and all these people prepare to cross the Jordan River, into the land I'm about to give them to the Israelites. Now, I'm going to stop there just to say something. Every time I used to read this, I would go, all right, prepare. You're going to have to get some money. You're going to have to organize. You're going to get the people. You know, just get your house in order. Get prepared. I thought it was like a, a super practical get prepared to go on a long vacation from which you will never return. I mean, you know how you got to pack up and you just think about all the organization? And I thought he was saying, now prepare. Start preparing for this thing. 
And all the other stuff that he said was just sort of God encouraging him. That's how I used to read this. I don't read it that way anymore. When God says, now prepare, the next thing he is saying is, he's, he's preparing Joshua. He's, he, now we're going to do this. Now prepare. And the things that follow here is one of God's ways of saying, all right, I want to prepare you to cross over. Now do it. Don't wait. Don't wait till you have enough money, till this, that. Now I'm preparing you. Now I'm preparing you. I'm not waiting. Now I'm giving you some things that if you just grab them and start growing them, you'll be able to cross into the next season of your land. So this is what, how we started preparing. He says, I will give you every place where you set your foot, as I promised Moses. Your territory will extend from the desert to Lebanon and from the great river, the Euphrates, all the Hittite country to the Mediterranean Sea in the west. No one will be able to stand against you all the days of your life. As I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will never leave you nor forsake you. Be strong and courageous because you will lead these people to inherit the land I swore to their ancestors to give them. Be strong and very courageous. Keep this book of the law. Keep the word of God always on your lips. Meditate on it day and night so that you may be careful to do everything written in it. Then you will be prosperous and successful. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Do not be discouraged. For the Lord your God will be with you wherever you are. There's a lot packed into this. And I just want to unpack it. Not for you, but for us. First thing I want you to remember. There are all these giants in the land. All these ites in the land. God has promised this whole land. But it's populated by people who are going to resist the people of God, and populated by people who won't agree with the people of God because they got different gods. So you've got anti-God and very resistant culture that the people of God are going to go into. Isn't that exciting? Sometimes we think the problem, I'm taking you in the promised land, you go, great, a sanctified Disneyland. Heaven on earth. No, no. The promises of God is sort of in the territory that's hostile. I'm just telling you the truth. And just in our own personal life, have you ever said, all right, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to start a budget. God says have a budget. You get a godly budget. You get everything arranged. And then when you're all done, you go, hallelujah, take a step into the promised land. And you look out your front window and you see both your cars just spontaneously blow up. Right? And you go, wait a second, what about the, hey, you step into, you step into your promises, it might be a little buffeting. Okay? You're all looking at me going, I gave up my Sunday night to be prepared for war. Well, when would you rather be prepared for war? When it hits? Anyway. So God started preparing right after he said, now prepare. Here's the first thing. Oh, by the way, this is so funny. I very rarely 
try to do anything cool with my, my, my points. I just tell it like I see it. But this one came out really, all of my points start with the letters R-E. It is really cool. What do they call it? Alliteration or it's just nerdy? Is, is that what I heard? Really nerdy. Well, actually it's not nerdy, it's nerd-esque. Anyway, so get ready to reinvent. Not just grow, get ready to reinvent. How do I know that? God says to Joshua, Moses is dead. He knows Moses is dead. What is God saying to Joshua? Hey, look, the guy you learned from, you learned well, but you don't have to be him to go into the promises. As a matter of fact, I don't want you to be him. I want you to be you because the you that I've created you to be is uniquely designed to take the land. Moses was great at, all right, let's go toward the land. He was a pioneer. He would have probably run people into the ground if God, God allowed him to take people into the land. Joshua was different. He was a pioneer, but he's more of a de- developer. It's like, okay, let's take the land. Let's not just always go toward the land. Have you ever been around a visionary who's always talking about where you're going? What it's going to look like? And you go, yeah, and you, you do a lot of things, and you've you got to be actually more submitted to authority than you normally are because you're on a mission toward a thing. And then when you get to the thing, you can't always be driven. You gotta start taking the land, start developing the land. That was Joshua. Joshua learned from Moses, but he had to allow God, but he allowed God to actually make him into a Joshua. Would you be willing to allow God to reinvent you? Sometimes we try to improve on who we are. There's nothing wrong with that. But some of the most successful marriages that are either deeply resigned or they're about to blow up, they don't require improvement. They require reinvention. And many of us know, it's like, hmm, my whole template of doing this, let's blow this thing up and let me learn God's way. Reinvention doesn't necessarily mean that what you did before was bad, but for your future, you got to do things differently. And I already, I, I met with elders and talked a little bit about this. Hey, listen, God has allowed or caused, whatever your theology is, this COVID thing has pushed the church to ask this one question. So, what are we supposed to be doing? <laughs> really? And, most, church, most people have response and say, well, you know, we can't meet, but we can reach out to our neighbors. We can't meet, but maybe we can pray for our neighborhood. We can't meet, but may- shoot, honey, we can't go out. Let's read our Bible. I mean, there's a whole bunch of things. And s- testimony after testimony, people are going, wish COVID hadn't come. But guess what? My family's tighter than it's ever been. My gosh, I finally got to the place where day in, day out, I worked on becoming not only a better, but a different husband. It's just an amazing thing. Be willing, he's telling Joshua, be willing to get reinvented. Embrace 
the changes that God wants to bring into you. So reinvent. Second, you got these promises. You can have a better marriage. You can have greater impact in your family. All, all these things, not necessarily selfish, or you can really make a difference in your community, or you got a heart to reach some broken kids, but you've know, never been able to do it. you got all these God-given promises. Remember who it is that's giving you the promises. God told Joshua, see these promises? See it? It's yours. You see it? It's yours. That's right. You've got to ask the question, is God a trickster? Is God a tease? Or is he some sort of cruel guy who, said, who lays out, isn't this great? but you'll never get there. Or isn't this great? I'm, I'm going to trick you into doing this so that you fail and you're miserable. Remember who it is that's giving the promises. The one who made you. The one who is really strong, really smart. He knows, he knows the end from the beginning. The one who promises you is not a liar. God. God's never lied. Remember also who it is that's going to be with you. It's not like he's going to have a little flag, a little Jesus flag, and come behind. I'm with him. I'm with him. Look at me. I'm God. I'm with him. You go like the, the supernatural cheerleader. The God who says, listen, I'm going to be with you. I'm going to be with you. That should be a real game changer. Many of I can't do it. It's going to be too hard. That's right. Welcome to the club. But if you have God with you, wait, even better. If you got God inside you, the greater one who lives in us, who can stand against the Lord God Almighty? Who can stand? I mean, that's not a rhetorical question. Who can stand against God? God said, here it is. I've given you the land. I'll be with you. And since you're a Christian, not only I'll be with you, but I'll dwell in you. Come on, let's go. And you go, well, I don't know if I can do it. Well, you can't, but he's with you. Y'all looking at me like, that's such a burden. I mean, if I was a super charismatic Pentecostal, I'd be going, that is shouting ground. God, thank you. Thank you. God is with you. I'm too broken. Yeah, God is with you. I'm too bitter. Yeah, God's with you. I'm too broken. Yeah, but God is with you. That shouldn't matter. That God is not distant. He's right there with you. So remember who's making the promises. Remember who's the one who set you free. Remember who says he's always going to be with us. He's generous. He's not a trickster. He knows the end from the beginning. He really is in control. Even those challenges that you go, surely they're from the devil. They're still controlled and designed by God to to bring out the best in you instead of to defeat you. This is not pie-in-the-sky stuff. This is not name it and claim it. This is real-life Christianity.
So reinvent, remember. Here's a third one. Recommit to prioritizing God's Word. Now that's going to sound like pretty religious. Just know your Bible and follow the Bible and and then you'll be successful in the land. No, prioritizing the Word of God is simply more than studying and believing the Word of God. Remember, these people, they're going into a hostile land with completely different perspectives, completely different ideologies, completely different gods. Whatever it is that guides them is very different than God's Word, right? And he says, look, prioritize what I say. By doing that, then you'll be successful. How do you prioritize it? You can do it in theory. Well, I believe that Scripture is the Word of God. It's the final authority for for doctrine. and you You can do all that. But you know how you find out whether or not you can prioritize? Is when your will conflicts with His. What do you do? Yield? God, I know this is what you say, but surely you can see. Right? Surely, we can defend, we can excuse, we can even ignore, or if we, since we know that won't work, we can go, "Ah, I'm not going to win this fight. I'm going to run from you and try to do things according to my own best ideas. That's what we do. I've done it way too many times. Reprioritizing the Word of God is when your will conflicts with His, you hold your will, your ideas, your personality, your past, your you hold it lightly so when it conflicts with God's, you go, not my will, but your will be done. I do this so many times, it's, it's embarrassing. Here's what I do. God says, this is what I want you to do. This is how I want you to treat your wife. You know, be nice, right? And I go, God, she re- I'm, just, I'm having a bad day. I should be able to blow off steam. Da, 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 da. Okay. First thing I do is, if I prioritize God's word, I go, I'm wrong. No matter my best excuse, I'm wrong. Please forgive me. Repentance is absolutely required. You confess it. And then this is what I do. Lord, you know how much I like this. <laughs> I, I yield this to you. Would you change my ways? That's how God works. When, when you live like that, you're prioritizing God's word. When someone does something that you really don't like, say it's political, and maybe it's your deeply counterintuitive governor. Sorry, I had to say it. No. And you go that, and you go, I'm going to face rant. Uh, not face rant. <laughs> Facebook rant. Face rant is you go up to people and just anyway, or just grab them and punk slap them. This is a face rant. Anyway, I'm, uh, I'm, Mike, I'm pulling myself back. I almost went Robin Williams, but I'm back now. Yeah, face rant. Facebook rant. You know, no. I'm supposed to pray for my leaders. But he's such a you got to pray for your leaders, right? Or, look, I'll just mess around with marriage, right? The lady goes, look, look, I will do my best to honor him and to serve him so long as he does everything right and makes me happy. And when that happens, 
then maybe I'll do my job. And the guy is sitting there going, well, when my wife starts, you know, um, driving to work on a broomstick, when she stops that, right, then maybe I'll honor her, right? Hold it. No, no, no. Obeying God's Word actually doesn't have anything to do with someone else. I'll forgive them as Jesus forgave me. I'll forgive them when they ask for forgiveness. And until they ask for forgiveness, I'm entitled. I'm sorry. You're not, I'm not condemning. But there's freedom. Because the world will teach you that God's ways are at best something you can add to your own repertoire of man's wisdom. But man, God's ways are so different. You go, you know, you haven't even asked for forgiveness. I'm going to forgive you anyway. Not necessarily for your sake, but for my sake. Does that make sense? Or if God puts the call of God on your life, and you know God's putting pressure on you, and you go, but God, I've got other plans. Or God, thank you, but I'm, I don't think I'm really qualified. Or thank, I tell you, we find out how we, re, how we prioritize God's word when our word conflicts with his, and then we get to choose. When we go, I yield to your word, we're prioritizing God's word. If you don't prioritize God's word, God will love you just as much as when you do prioritize his word. That's not, God says, prioritize my word, and then you'll be successful in the battles in the promised land. Does that make sense? You're sitting there going, it makes sense, but it's not very comforting. See, a lot depends on how much do you want to really experience the, uh, what all that God has for you. Are you? You say, I want this, but I want to do it my way. Good luck with that. I've tried. I still try every so often. Or, hmm, you're smarter than me. You're wiser than me. Maybe you know something I don't. Thank you for the promises. Oh, Lord, teach me your ways. And then you'll cross over. And then you'll take your land little by little. So reinvent, remember, recommit. And here's the fourth one. Receive. I was just so proud of myself. I was just writing this and I realized our ease. Receive from God in areas where you think you're strong. God told Joshua, a man of great strength, great courage, he was a leader of leaders. He had battle experience. He was, he was Moses' you know, right-hand man. This was an incredibly qualified guy. And God goes, I want you to be strong and courageous. Be strong and really courageous. Don't be terrified. Don't be discouraged. Why was God doing that? I, I know I've shared that wherever I go, I share this. Listen, God wasn't giving him instructions. The Word of God actually has power. And many times God will say something and it puts something in you that wasn't there before. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth and then God said, let there be light. And there was light. Something started. God was giving strength and courage to an already strong and courageous man. Why? Because he's going to need the extra 
strength and courage for the battles that he's going to have because he's never been this way before. So you think you got experience. Great. That's the strength God gave it to you. You think you have fortitude. You have insight, wisdom. Awesome. Don't throw it away. But don't think that those strengths that worked for you back then will work for you in the future. Maybe God wants to add to your strengths. Maybe he gave you give you a little more knowledge, a little more understanding, a little more schooling, a little more training, something that will add to your strengths. Receive from God. We're always willing to receive where we're weak, I think, unless we're proud. But the idea of receiving from God in areas that we already think we're strong, God's smart. So, reinvent. Make a decision, God. Whatever it takes, mold me, shape me, reinvent me. I will embrace your changes. Just help me. Remember, that's right, God. You're not a trickster. You're God, not just my friend. You are God. Your promises are not lies. And you are strong and you're with me. You'll never leave me or forsake me. The greater one lives in me. You know, if you're with me, who can I be afraid? All these things are true. Remember who's with you. Recommit to prioritizing God's word. Receive from God, even in areas where you think you're strong. And here's one that you can't find in Joshua 1, but you can find it in Joshua 3. Renew your commitment to your personal relationship with the Lord, not your principled one. I believe in the Word of God and I follow godly principles. Nothing wrong with that. But there's something about renewing your personal, intimate, day-by-day relationship with the Lord. Look at Joshua 3, 5. They're about to cross over. This is what he tells them. When you see the Ark of the Covenant, and the Ark of the Covenant was sort of, it represented the manifest presence of God. Uh, For us in the New Testament, that would be the Holy Spirit. The presence of God amongst us, the Holy Spirit. So when you see the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord your guard and the Levitical priest carrying it, you are to move out from your positions and follow it. This is not, notice, prioritize the Word of God. Get your thinking right, but be led by the Spirit. There are a lot of people who just follow the principles, and God blesses them, but you've got to follow the Holy Spirit because the way into the promises, there's no map. There's no formula. There, you actually have to follow the Lord. It says... And follow the ark. Follow the presence. Follow the Holy Spirit. Then you will know which way to go since you have never been this way before. All the, I mean, I know I'm really strong here, but it's because I care about this church and the people that I know. I care. Listen, these are, these are challenging words. choosing words. I almost got too excited. The pro- How many of you have experienced the fullness of everything that God has for you? Please don't raise your hand because I have to rebuke you. No, you haven't. There's more. 
How do you get there? You don't know. Wherever God's leading you, wherever God's leading this church, you've never been there before. Even if you think you know the way, guess what? You don't. How we, how we recommit to our personal relationship with the Lord, it's not a one-off thing. It's what we, we just work on. If you want to work on a relationship with your wife, smile at her first thing every morning. Even if she goes, who are you? You know what I'm saying? No, just work at it. Work on your personal relationship. Or, Lord, you know, uh, lead me, guide me this day. Uh, teach me how you speak to me and all that. Just work on it. It's, it's not a religious thing. It's just you, you want to interact with God, right? You, you don't want to uh, you know, interact with this spiritual machine. You actually want to w- interact with God. That makes sense. Many people are going, man, I know what I have to do. I know the principles on that, but I just can't hear from God. Well, that's God's invitation. Say, God, I want to hear from you. Search me, try me. Is there anything that's in the way? If there is, show me. I'll repent. And I tell you, put God in charge of your personal relationship. He'll show you this stuff. Here, I'll tell you, there's a, one of the most profound stories in my whole life. I had an absolutely horrible month one day. Ever had one of those? And it was on a Saturday. And I was so mad, and I was so hurt, and I was, right? And uh, I'm going, God, you're just going to have to break through. I can't even hear you. I don't even want to hear you. I'm afraid what you have to say. Have you ever been that? That's where I was. So I went to church. Now, I know, I, I know how to make everybody believe that I'm in. You know, but I'm sitting there going, no not going to fake it today. I'm going to be authentic. not going to be a hypocrite. You know how that is. And then I'm looking at all these other people and look, I can't be the only one having a bad month one day. I'll bet you everybody is just like me. They're fakes. Oh, I was just absolutely the worst thing. But my heart was, God, you know, wherever you are, here I am. It was just the most raw place I've, I think I'd ever been up to that point. And I was so... Eh, I just sat down. I even remember the song. We are all together. Sorry. Anyway, it was a long time ago. It was a scripture song. And I'm just sitting there, full of myself, mad at everybody, mad at God. But there was something in there, in me going, God, I don't even want to know what's right or wrong. I just I need to connect with you. And there's nothing I could do. So I'm sitting there, sitting in my own stuff. My mind's eye, I saw, like the, it looked like a little flower, but it was in like shadows. It slowly started coming to me, and it got bigger and bigger, and then it got brighter and brighter. And I'm going, "Oh, great! It must be from my way, way long ago drug days." You know, maybe I'm, <laughs> who knows, right? And what is this? And it's getting closer and closer, and it got brighter and brighter. And it was a rose, and it was all closed up. And as it got closer to me, it started opening up. And by the time it got here, I could smell it. It was, a, it was the strangest thing. It, it was real. I mean, it wasn't a real rose, but it was a vision of a rose. 
And all of a sudden, I, and I'm just going, well, what the heck was that? And all of a sudden, the light bulb went out. In the middle of where I was at, here's God going, here. Here's a rose. Kindness of God. I broke down a million pieces. You know, everybody, you know, it's, it's near the end of the last song, and I'm like this. You know, oh, that was Jesus. It was amazing. And what it was is my heart was open to not a right answer. It was just open. I need you, God. I need you. And guess what? He came in and gave me that dumb little rose. Do I look like a guy? You know, hey, he's having a tough day. Give Ben the rose. No. Jesus gave me a rose. It changed my life. I started realizing that Half the things that happened to me the day before was all my fault. I wasn't a victim anymore. It just freed me. And you know what that did to me? I, I didn't go, man, next time I have a problem, I know you'll come through. I'm going, the God who was kind to me in the middle of my personal hell, that God is worth knowing on a daily basis. How about you? Is the God that you that you love, do you want to know him on a daily basis? Even if you don't know how to do it, ask God and then just start doing it. Let him be in charge of your relationship. I'm telling you, when you're willing to reinvent or have God reinvent you, when you have to remind yourself who it is that made you, who it is that promised you, who it is that says I'll be with you, who it is the one who will defend you, who it is, reminds you, who it is. It's not you, it's God. That should help. Recommit. Or maybe for some of you, commit for the first time. Recommit to prioritizing God's Word. When your culture, when MTV, when your grandparents, when anybody, when your own soul says this and God says this, Yield. Choose to yield. Let God teach you. Because that, that's the way you're going to be successful. Receive from God in the ways that you think you're already strong. Just a side note. Some people have read the Bible like dozens of times. I've heard people. Well, my daughter. I'll just forget about the dozens of times. My daughter, my oldest one said, I've read the Bible through twice. And I go, great. And she goes, are there any other good books I could read? Right? And, and I'm, I'm just glad. And I'm going, no, no, just keep on reading it. But it's the same book. Listen, I'm telling you, it, it's different because God will just highlight different things at different times. Really, it's a supernatural book. I almost said magic, but then my other girls just said, Daddy, we don't believe in magic. Right? But there was some, and she goes, oh. And I'm telling you, now she, she's reading and she gets stuff that she never even saw there before. Yeah, isn't that true? So recommit to prioritizing God's Word. Receive where you think you're strong. I mean, if you think you know your Bible, keep reading it. You'll find out how much you don't know. Then renew your personal relationship with the Lord. Now prepare. Now commit to those kinds of prayers. Do it now 
so that when you do start crossing over, you're ready to go. You have no map. But you have God's guidance, God's preparation for you to little by little take your land. Does that make sense? Want to pray? A prayer over all of us. When Paul wrote First and Second Corinthians, he was like a father. And he's just going through the whole church. He's going, all right, this is good, this is good, eh, not so good, <laughs> you know. Or this is horrible. And he went through this whole thing, and, uh, and he was doing it not to criticize or shame the church, but to help them to grow up, just to grow up. So they could be a better witness for Jesus, better fulfill God's plan for life. That's what fathers do, right? Now, I remember the first times I read it. I go, man, this is, man, he's tough. But he's showing all that needs to be worked on. And then I'm looking for the solutions. Paul, you showed what's wrong. But how do you fix it? How do you fix it? And then one day I read this scripture and I go, oh, he's a genius. He's an apostle. He wrote this. He prayed this prayer. And from an apostolic point of view, from an apostolic point, what he prayed was the solution, the foundational solution to all the things that needed to be fixed. Now, I'm going to say something that's a little radical. But of the five things that are the most important, renewing your personal relationship with the Holy Spirit is absolutely the most important one. Why? When you start doing that, it's easier to receive from God. When you start doing that, it's easier to see the difference between your ideas and God's ideas. It's easier for you to remember who's God and who's not. It's easier for you to allow God to reinvent you when we're connected vitally with the Spirit of God. So this is what Paul prayed. May the grace grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Isn't that an interesting prayer? I could pray, may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be on you and go, Amen. Hallelujah. Great prayer. Or may the love of God be with you. You go, all right, that's fine, but that's sort of like a Barney prayer. God loves you, you know, that kind of thing. He prayed and made the fellowship, your relationship with the Holy Spirit be with you all. He prayed the foundational solution, which if they grabbed that, it would take care of all the other little things. So, I want to pray for us, for this church, for, for us, for myself. And I believe God's going to hear this prayer. And you can join with me if you want. You don't lip sync along with me. Just join with your heart, okay? Lord, here we are. This is a great church. These are great people. You love every single one. You have designs and plans for every single one. Uh, the fact that we're here means that the fullness of the promises for each one of us are not yet fulfilled. So God, I ask that you would help us embrace change.
Help us to allow you to reinvent us little by little. God, I ask that you would really help us remember. We remember more about who we are than who you are. God, remember. Help us remember who you are. What, who, you're the one who makes the promises. You're the one who's with us. Help us remember that and make what we remember really count. God, would you help us give us extra grace and tenacity to recommit to prioritizing your word? When our will conflicts with yours, give us grace to yield and ask you to teach us your ways. God, even in the places where we think we're strong, we're open for more strength. We're open that you would build on the strong parts of us. Help us renew our personal relationship with you. Ways that are just deep, they're real, they bear fruit. So in line with that, I want to pray this for us, for y'all. May the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Here now to take the land. It's going to be a ride. Love you guys.